Hi, my name is Natalie Rizzo, and you are listening to Got Culture. Joined by my co-host Dylan James, in today's episode, we will be talking about neoclassism, transcendentalism, African-American culture, and the important people in those movements. Enjoy your cup of culture. A famous painting by Hoxley David, entitled The Coronation of Napoleon, completed in 1807, depicts the coronation of Napoleon I at Notre Dame, Paris. The painting breaks boundaries of the Baroque era that came before it. The coronation of Napoleon is an example of neoclassism. Neoclassism was a classical revival of ancient Greek and Roman architecture and art, in contrast of the current Baroque art, influenced by the Enlightenment era and lasted throughout the 19th century. Neoclassical artists were inspired by emotional themes such as patriotism, sacrifice, courage, human rights, and honor. And the way the artists used the themes strongly contrasted against the Baroque styles. Neoclassical artists favored symmetry, simplicity, and proportion, also known for accurate detail, formal composition, and strong lines. Three popular American artists of the Neoclassicism era were William Rush, Rembrandt Peel, and John Vanderlyn. William Rush was a sculptor born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Rembrandt was also born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but was a painter, most famous for his portraits of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. John Vanderlyn was also a painter. He was born in Kingston, New York. These ancient art styles in the Enlightenment worked hand-in-hand to start Transcendentalism. Transcendentalism was a philosophical and literary movement that believed God was within human beings and nature, and challenged Puritan theology. This ideology heavily promotes breaking away from society and material possessions, as well as following your own moral beliefs and being closer to nature, which Ralph Waldo Emerson, the best-known transcendentalist, considers as anything other than the inner individual, such as art. The true beginning of this movement was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, on September 8, 1836, with the Transcendentalist Club, started by New England intellectuals. Since Boston was where transcendentalism flourished the most, it was known as the Athens of America. As Dylan mentioned earlier, Ralph Waldo Emerson is the best-known transcendentalist. Famous for his essays, Emerson was an influential philosopher and public intellectual. In his essay, entitled Nature, Emerson writes, Every spirit builds itself a house, and beyond its house, a world, and beyond its world, a heaven. Know then that the world exists for you. For you is the phenomenon perfect, what we are that only we can see, all Adam had, all Caesar could, you have and can do. Adam called his house heaven and earth. Caesar called his house Rome. You, perhaps, call yours a cobbler's trade, a hundred acres of plowed land, or a scholar's garret. Yet line for line and point for point, your dominion is as great as theirs, though without fine names, 
Build, therefore, your own world. In that excerpt, Emerson states the importance of not caring about your material possessions and the importance of being individual and independent. More words from Emerson that coincide with his individualistic beliefs read, We Americans will walk on our own feet, will work with our own hands, will speak with our own minds. Emerson saw reform campaigns flourishing and knew that people were starting to move towards another revolution. This revolution included better public schools, rights for women, and medicines. Henry David Thoreau was another very important figure in the Transcendentalist movement. He was a poet, a mystic, and Emerson's close associate. He was born on July 12, 1817 in Concord, Massachusetts, but eventually moved to the woods in Walden to focus on his writing. He came to write one of his most popular pieces, Walden, Life in the Woods, which focused on his journey of self-discovery and developing his spirituality. Thoreau believed in self-reliance, as he didn't trust society and thought as though the government and society were corrupt. These views coincide with the Transcendentalist movement, with ideas of breaking away from society to better yourself spiritually. Later, he spoke upon his opinions on patriotism. Based on the harsh president that they had at the time, James Knox Polk, Thoreau thought as if true patriots wouldn't blindly follow their government and administration, but would follow their own consciences and moral reason. This promoted the idea of independent thought and straying away from simple obedience. In retaliation to the current president's term, he even stopped paying his taxes. In fact, in 1849, Thoreau published On the Duty of Civil Disobedience, which touched on the corruption of the government and what patriots could do about it. All men recognize the right of revolution, the right to refuse allegiance to and to resist the government when its tyranny or its inefficiency are great and unendurable. But almost all say that such is not the case now. I say when a sixth of the population of a nation which is undertaken to be the refuge of liberty are slaves and a whole country is unjustly overrun and conquered by a foreign army and subjected to military law, I think that it is not too soon for honest men to rebel and revolutionize. What makes this duty more urgent is the fact that the country so overrun is not our own, but ours is the invading army. This excerpt from On the Duty of Civil Disobedience further outlines what it means to be a transcendentalist by going against the government if you see that the government goes against your inner morals. Another naturalist who shared the same values as Emerson and Thoreau was John James Audubon. Audubon was an ornithologist, a person who studies or is an expert on birds. Audubon was raised in France, then traveled to America, and created a book entitled The Birds of America. To this day, Audubon's book is considered one of the greatest examples of book art and is referenced for bird anatomy. Of course, Natalie. Audubon was considered a prime example of a transcendentalist because of his closeness to nature and his desire to observe it. These three people, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, and John James Audubon, were key in pushing the transcendentalist movement and developing more of American society.
Although this period of development in culture for white Americans was new, it wasn't exactly original. Most ideas and styles adapted into American culture were borrowed from places such as Asia and Latin America. This differs from the African-American culture, which was original and impactful on modern-day society. African-Americans, both enslaved and free, organized their own culture to dignify themselves and to create communities amongst themselves. Richard Allen was an African-American man who was born into slavery and separated from his family at age seven. He suffered grueling days of hard labor, but was eventually able to purchase his freedom once he was older. He became a licensed preacher in the Methodist Church and traveled the East Coast by foot, preaching to everyone regardless of race. When Allen and another African-American man were harassed by white Americans while praying at church, they walked out with the other African-Americans there. They pushed towards establishing their own church. This was considered the first stride for civil rights in America. David Walker was another integral figure in the African-American leadership and culture, born a free man in North Carolina and moved to Boston to work his used clothing shop. He wrote his very first abolitionist pamphlet, calling Americans moral hypocrites for stating that all men are created equal in the Declaration of Independence than enslaving people of color. Walker urged slaves to rebel against their owners by smuggling his pamphlets to slaves in South Carolina and Georgia in the used clothing shipments. When the authorities found out, they tried to arrest Walker for promoting these ideals, but were unsuccessful due to the fact that he was just exercising his First Amendment right. Had it not been for David Walker, the abolitionist movement wouldn't have gotten the jumpstart it needed to be effective. By the late 1800s, there were about 4 million enslaved African Americans in the United States. Unlike the Americans, the African Americans had deep culture. This strongly included music. The slaves sang while working and used songs as signs of hope. Because they were not allowed to use instruments, their songs featured strong vocals and improvised percussion such as hand clapping or hitting surfaces. Slave music inspired modern-day jazz, gospel, and blues. I'll be so glad when, uh, when the sun goes down. When the sun goes down. I'll be so glad when, uh, when uh, the sun goes down. When the sun goes down. I ain't all that's leaving, but uh -huh. I want to lie down. But I want to lie down. I ain't all Sleeping, but uh -huh. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down, baby. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down. I ain't all that sleeping, but uh -huh. I wanna lie down. I wanna lie down. Oh, what got the matter, baby? Uh -huh. Yeah, I can't see. Well, I can't see. Oh, what got the matter, baby? Gal, I can't see. Well, I can't see. No deciding that the driver's boat. He'll down on me. Roll down on me. No deciding that the driver's boat. He'll down on me. Well, down on me. Just chop your corner line. Be worried when, uh -huh. when the sun go down. When the sun go down, you'll never be worried when, uh -huh. 
When the sun go down. When the sun go down. Natalie and I would like to thank you for tuning into this episode of Got Culture. We hope to see you next week to enjoy another glass of culture.